time for us to talk about nature in our nature diary joined as always by resident csi nature conservationist tim neary tim a very good morning to you good morning are you well this morning i am well and you are back from uh, seeing the turtles yes i'm back from seeing the turtles and i do want to say one thing yes the turtles are wonderful really how many of them made it to the sea no that look we we didn't see many of the babies on that night Mm -hmm. um uh, but they, they 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 waddle their way down, and it's quite quite interesting because when they come out, obviously of the egg, they don't know how to swim. Nobody's ever said, "Here's turtle swimming lessons one hundred and one." Yeah. So they swim on the sand they, about fifty they, me, about, about fifty meters, flippers. and by the time they get to the bottom. They're they able swim. to, they can effectively swim. That's so cute. Straight into the ocean to be eaten by somebody. Oh. Or a ghost crab. Oh. But the one thing I did discover on this trip, mm-hmm. okay, if you've got really foul roads and you want them repaired, invite a minister. <laughs> you've never seen anything so funny in all your life. Suddenly the roads. The, the road compacted. is normally four wheel drive, etc. Nobody had seen a motor grader in mostly 15 years. Mm-hmm. There was paving stones on the side. It was cast with gravel and it was all nasty expanded public works chopped all the side of the road so it didn't damage her cars oh yes the cavalcade but anyway that's all i just thought that was quite funny oh wow but and it is it is election season this is this is kind of the one time you could ask a politician to file your taxes oh you could ask them to file your toenails you could ask them anything i need the roof fixed yes no then there's that, a leak in the kitchen yeah, yeah. and they'll go sure i'll i'll be back i'll be back in june or just give me two <laughs> seconds i'm yeah. on it <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be back in june so is it a ro- is it a rock is it a before we go flying is it a rock a rock yes what is a rock a cross between a shark and a rock. <laughs> charlotte i don't I've got to find out more. It should be born in the next couple of days. Oh, is it that soon? I thought it was a little bit longer. No, no, no. I think it's within the next two weeks. She is looking quite, quite full. So what we've got to discover is that this Ray is about 12 to 14 years old. She's been in the tank for nine. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no boy rays there. There's, mm, there's some male woke. sharks. There's some male sharks, bamboo sharks. Bamboo sharks, which are very cute. Um, and she is now with child. <clears throat> she is with more than one child. She is with many childs. Yes, and, <laughs> and she had children. bite marks on because you see it in the in the two in the uh, shark and marine world particularly when sharks mate they bite and hold on and not unlike cheetah. Yeah. So. Oh yes. Is this that, that is the other spider in the works? So she had bite marks. on Yeah, she had bite marks on. So were the sharks getting a little frisky when the lights were off? But, and she didn't know what was happening. Was there a little teetotter on the side? But their anatomy, I imagine, the anatomy of a shark and the anatomy of a stingray are, are different. Very similar, same family. Really? Rays and sharks, very similar. Oh, I thought they were different. So theoretically, one lot are saying it can't happen and the other camp is saying it can happen. Yes. And they'll only know once, it, once the, the juniors pups are, arrive. The pups arrive and DNA testing is done. And then they will know whether it, it, it is, what do they call it? Parthenogenesis, which is where the egg clones, its, uh, splits and clones itself. And the pups would then also, all four would be the exact clones of the mother. That's so fascinating. And it does happen in fish. It has been recorded. So 
it's a form, it's a kind of asexual reproduction. Absolutely. So there's no sex, no no other this partner. This is not wind pollination. And so her is it her egg that splits? Her egg splits. That's We're going so to need to get a fish expert in because there, there are a whole lot of things that, for example, certain fish as they get older actually change sex. Oh, really? Yeah, we are. Don't um, puffer fish do that? Is it puffer fish? Uh, some, of the sam- some, of the, some of the salmon do it, but I'm going to get us a fish expert. Yeah, that would be fascinating. And also if they could tell us about, I don't know if you saw, there's been quite a bit of reporting this week. For the first time, we've documented humpback whale mating. And uh, it was two males. Yes. Very exciting. Um, not going there. <laughs> not this morning. Let's go flying. Very let's exciting. Go the, let's go with the birds before we let's get have to deal. Otherwise, we're going to have to explain the birds and the bees to people, and we're going to get <laughs> and really, the humpback whales. Yes, and the humpback whales. I was very excited. We've uh, documented it for the first time, which seems a bit rude. I feel as if if you're doing your business. I mean, why so is there... poke a camera in my face. Go to hell. Yeah, I'm, I'm busy. Yeah, I'm busy. I'm don't, actually don't, busy. Yeah, I'm busy learning something here. Go away. <laughs> we, we, we're trying to become politically correct whales. Go okay, away. right. Time to go flying. Are it is flying? time to go flying. Uh, we are still trying to get Steve, who oh, is okay. an, an aerial manager. Um, but when we talk about flying, we're flying for conservation. We're not just flying for fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, no. We, we're flying for conservation. And... Hmm? Um, many years ago, I think it's about 25 years ago, Nora Crayer um, started an organization called the Bateliers. So what you have is you have a bunch of pilots and you have a bunch of airplanes and you have a bunch of needs. And um, Avril Schlane is, I think, the present chairman of, of Avril Schlane uh, Cosmetics. And... I used the battleers extensively uh, during my years of working with cheetah and uh, lions. So when we moved lions to Tembi, uh, how do you move them? Do you drive and have them drugged for all that extra time? Or do you actually pop them in an aeroplane and uh-huh. off you go? And that was a particularly interesting flight because as we got to Pongola, the lions got excited and decided to start waking up at which point the pilot, who was Eddie Kaisen, who started Tiger Wheel and Tire, turned around and said, either get the lions out of the door and let them see regardless of no parachute or put them down again because they were starting to affect the balance of the aircraft. They oh were starting to rock and roll a bit. And how far were you from? From Tembi or yeah. another, must be 40 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So whilst this excitement happened, I, I'll never forget it. They turned around and turned and said, um, pass the drug box. And the one gentleman from who was filming it from fifty fifty said, "Is the drug box by any chance got a green top on the, and yellow at the bottom?" I said, "Yes." They said, "It's on the runway back at Pilansburg." <laughs> so what happens? We had to circle and and circle, and there was a lot of circling around cell phone towers while we managed to find various vets in the area who had sufficient solitol to come and meet us at a horrid little airport in Pongola. So we could put the lions a little bit more to sleep. So did they ever wake up? Well, were, they, were they just like no, coming to? They get into a stage where they're a little bit unstable. So to give you an idea, we used to move lions. I didn't listen so far, uh, uh, Sani, and we used to mis- move lions in that. And it's quite nice because the seat of the car would fold down and you put the lions in, in, into the back. Mm-hmm. And then you put their face up at the top and you tickle their noses. 
And when they start to lick your fingers, we used to say they're getting sporty. And then you know that that's, they're starting to wake up because they're starting to, to react. And remember that the drug that you've put them into is not a, um, it's a dissociative drug. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is actually kind of interesting. So they know what's going on. And I actually had one line at um, wake up in the car at, uh, um, I'm just trying to remember the name of the town. I'll think of it just now. But yeah, it, it, it woke up and the poor fellow that was filling the car with petrol wasn't so happy about that. Oh. Because it poked its head out the window. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. So that was quite interesting. And then, uh, I and, hope you and, gave him a good tip. Yeah. I feel as if that kind uh, of He trauma. needed a hamb- hamburger, chips <laughs> and a whole bag. <laughs> and a Coke. A, a Coca-Cola. Forget the Coca-Cola. <laughs> he just needed whiskey. Um, then you would have interesting aspects where animals, for example, would be injured or... Um, we had a cheetah on right up in the north end, uh, sort of the Messina area, uh, that had been found, and the cheetah died and left behind a whole lot of cubs. What do you? How, what happens? We use the battalions. You put in an application, the pilots, etc. And there's no cost to anybody. They raise the funds themselves. Oh, and they don't charge conservation, and off you go. So. Another ex- example is we, we've spoken on this program about Bob the Turtle. Bob the Turtle was originally down in Cape Town, and Bob was called Bob because Bob had a, a stomach blockage and couldn't dive and bobbed on the surface. And Bob the Turtle needed to go home to go and be released up in KZN. Mm-hmm. Again, how do you move it? Do you move it in the heat of February in a motor car, in a tank, and move that turtle the whole way up on a 20-hour drive? Or do you put it in an aircraft and four hours later? Yeah. And it lands at the closest landing strip. And a lot of these guys, the interesting part is they're bush pilots. So they don't give a rat's backside about, you know, having to have a really good runway of They'll 29. They'll land it wherever. Yeah, they just, oh, oh, you want to land there? That's not a problem. It looks flat enough. In we come. We'll make it work. We'll, we'll make it work. And everybody else is going to see So the work that they've undertaken and um, – a lot of survey work, etc., uh, working with with animal surveys and what have you. It's absolutely incredible, and yeah, they've got a they've got a really good bunch of people, mm. um, and it's it's great. We're joined on the line by aerial photographer and GM, that's general manager at the Battliers. Um, Steve joins us this morning. Steve, a very good morning to you. Welcome to Weekend Breakfast. Thank you. Good morning to you, folks. Thanks for having us with you. So, uh, um, Tim was just sharing a little bit about the amazing and some of it death-defying work um, that the Bateliers uh, do. Um, tell us about how you got involved with the organization. Well, I'll share that with you shortly, but I, I don't know if we would call it death-defying. If that's what it was, we'd perhaps not be doing it. Um, you know, we've managed in September of this past year, in 19. Uh, 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 to reach our 25th year of providing service to conservation and the environment. Um, and it's been, uh, by and large, without incident. We haven't lost anyone. So, uh, as I said, I don't think it's so death-defying. Um, but joining the Battliers, to answer that question, um, I derived my income from a light sport aircraft and decided that I must find a way to, to give back and uh, Maybe to put one's karma correct, you, you try and put it back through the same mechanism or the same tool. Mm-hmm. And I looked around for a vehicle or a method or an organization or something, and I found the Battliers, which was the absolute perfect marriage of uh, voluntary flying, 
for the greater good of the environment and conservation in South Africa. Steve, I think people sort of get, you know, they, they, they think of a bunch of gung-ho pilots roaring around doing things, but it's the, it's the different form of work as well that you do. Um, for example, uh, as I said to Googs, you know, I've had a lot of experience with you guys doing wild dog, lions, cheetahs, etc. How did, how did Nora get into the idea that this was needed? You know, I mean, because you could really just hurl the animal in the back of a bucky and drive off down the road. That is a possibility, um, Tim. Um, in terms of animal transfers, a lot of them are super sensitive to uh, uh, the human presence, human contact, being caged. Uh, take a lion, for example, where you've had a previous experience with the battlers, Tim, is that uh, take a completely wild cat and put it into a crate or a box and they'll almost self-destruct in their efforts to get out of the box. Um, and if the if, if the self-destruction doesn't hurt them, then certainly the stress does. So a way forward uh, learned by our fantastic uh, veterinary services and, and conservation services in South Africa is to keep the animal under a shallow uh, level of anesthetic. And it then gets moved in an aircraft uncaged. And that can get exciting, as I'm sure you've seen for yourself, where... Um, the animals are not knocked out completely. That might be too much anesthetic, and you've got to be very careful that you're, uh, that you're anesthetizing them and not euthanizing them. Nevertheless, the animal's under a, sh- a shallow level of anesthetic. It's moved into a, a released boma um, at the destination end of its flight, and it's allowed to, a, a reversal drug is given, it's allowed to slowly wake up, and it hasn't endured any stress. So they've learned that this is definitely the, the, the way forward to to moving animals that are sensitive to being caged. Do you work across the country or or is it specific areas only? We work countrywide. Um, We've got a little over 200 volunteer pilots throughout the country and the fellows are sensible. You know, if we're looking for a a reaction to, let's say, a vulture poisoning that's happened in northern Natal, you know, right up on the border of Pongola, you don't have a Cape Town pilot fly and attend to that. Um, so as I said, the fillers are sensible enough to, to respond to our call-ups when they get posted out to all 200 pilots by email um, when their aircraft is suited to the particular task and when it's near enough to them that we're not going to have a huge positioning cost. After all, we're always working with donor funding. Yeah, because this, this, this is one of the interesting facts that, you know, Ness has changed from the times that I worked with you guys. Um, there's no cost to conservation at all. It's a case of you have a need, there is a, a form that you fill out, it goes to you yourself or whoever, and you guys decide this mission is doable, let's go, let's go do it. And then it doesn't, it, 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 it all happens. There's nobody saying to you, well, please put down your deposit, where's your credit card, etc. How on earth do you do you, that? You've done your homework, Tim. <laughs> that is precisely how it occurs. Um, and it's very, very often the case that um, conservationists and environmentalists have the need for some form or other of aerial support, whether it be the animal movements we spoke of a moment ago or to simply conduct a survey of the wetland, whatever the case might be. They have this uh, need for aerial support. They don't have uh, an air wing within their organization, so they don't have the practical means of helping themselves. And very often, they're cash-strapped. And unfortunately, without the financial means or budget to be able to go and charter aircraft to do this often vital work that they do. And that is why we exist. We, Nora, back in the day, saw this need. The Batliers was established. 
And we have some uh, very kind, well-meaning philanthropists and industrialists or uh, uh, corporates who support the battliers. They provide their support as their corporate social investment um, or out of their will to provide support. And they love the battliers. You know, we are so incredibly well documented in everything we do. Um, aviation is like that. You know, at the end of a flight, the pilot fills in his logbook. The aircraft's flight folio has to be completed. There's a lot of photography that happens of the work that we do. And the folks really enjoy the fact that this is not perhaps what sadly often becomes the outstretched hand of Africa um, with donor funding given with far too little accountability. We, we've got 100% accountability and they enjoy the work that we do in the way in which it's managed. Steve, sorry, Tim. Yeah, yeah, Are there any animals that the battaliers can't move? It's just, that it's just not practical. Yeah, Guru, there are. Um, you know, it's it would probably be few and far between, but the largest of the animals um, would have to be put in crates on low bed trucks. And I speak here of rhinos, elephants, hippos, if that should need should ever arise. Mm-hmm. Um, we've never heard of the need to to move a hippo, but elephants certainly. And we've had quite a lot of involvement. Um, in elephant wildlife management, um, by providing the spotter planes to do the collaring, um, then afterwards to go and read telemetry data from, from elephant herds. So we have worked closely with elephant conservationists, but never transported one. I think basically, uh, you know, I mean, if you're going to do move an elephant, you're going to need a C-130 anyway. Uh, you need, <laughs> need something that's pretty large, and you're not going to get into a little Cessna because... Also to understand here, we're talking about people with private planes, twin-engined, etc., single-engined aircraft. Um, so the, the aircraft themselves are not overly large. 100% correct. And another uh, uh, good observation whereby because of the fact that we are a volunteer Air Force, um, and I call it Air Force, by the way, there's no force used. We, we just use that as a, as a fun term, the Environmental Air Force. Nevertheless, it is all volunteers, and therefore we, we are uh, governed by the type of aircraft that they will own. Steve, I just wanted to know, before we run out of time, uh, the Basileas also have the Bonizwe program. Uh, tell us about it. That program ran its course, mm-hmm. but it was to do with environmental uh, um, education, and it was the introduction of youngsters to the benefits of, of aviation and how it can provide a supporting role. Um, it was tremendous, but as said, the program ran its course. Um, we had another one very similar to that in KZN, which uh, possibly bears mentioning, where uh, rural schools were given the challenge of a project to be completed in, in, in environmental sciences, let's call it that, um, or conservation. And those youngsters with the top marks, there were 20 of them at a time, would get to do a tour of Zooland and to, to witness a rhino dehorning, to visit the, the rhino orphanage and so on. They, they went to the uh, Isimangalisa wetland and they spent a week in, in Zooland um, in return or in reward for their projects that they'd rendered. At the end of the week, unbeknown to them, we would arrive with a couple of aircraft and do a few uh, relay circuits and take them on a short uh, to the neighborhood, let's call it that, mm. <laughs> where we would cover the region where they've just had their week's experience. And, of course, this was an absolute highlight. We would hear from the people who ran the program that when the kids got back to school, they had to give account in either an essay or in the assembly at school of how it went for them. And uh, 
she would laugh and say they, that all of them always spoke about the flight that they had. Yeah. So it was great, you know, to, to, to connect with impressionable young minds like that and to encourage them into conservation and the scope that's, that is available is a fantastic opportunity for us. Yeah. Steve, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been great having you on the show. Fantastic. And as said, thank you for the opportunity. You know, we're unable to market ourselves as such. So having an opportunity to reach people through through your medium is really appreciated. Yeah. Thank you so much for making time for us. Steve is an aerial photographer and the general manager at the Bateliers. He is Steve uh, McRich. Uh, Tim, I'm not here next week. Um, I'm actually going to Bumalanga, which I'm quite excited you about. You didn't ask my permission. I know. I'm just going to be AWOL and I'm going to just outside the Kruger Park. I've never been to the Kruger, actually. I'm very excited. But I'll, I'll, I'll be back. You'll be back. You sound, you, yes, I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm heading to Nelspreit as well on Monday. So oh, I'll, I'll be Monday, Tuesday. I'll be in that area as well. <laughs> so we, we could always have coffee. We could.